Thank you. Appreciate that. The name of Jesus certainly is a precious name, and really in, in the world, many of them do not know anything more than Jesus' name as a cuss word, to be 100% honest with you. And uh, some people don't know who Jesus is. And, you know, we, sometimes we live in our little world, and that's not a bad thing. I understand, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but, but sometimes we need to realize, I guess I did turn this on, all right? I thought, did I turn that on? Um, but you can hear me, so obviously I did. But, uh, but sometimes we live in our own little world, and we don't realize the rest of the world does not live like we do. Uh, matter of fact, they live a vastly different life. Lost people live a very different life uh, than we do, and we need to realize that. We need to understand that, and we ought to have compassion on them. Um, because really, if you think about it, I mean, yes, we have tr troubles. Yes, we have struggles. Yes, we have difficulties. But I mean, man, we, we're holding on to God's hand. And, and it's kind of like walking, you know, walking around with God's hand in our hand. But the world, they don't have that. Um, they're, 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 they live a vastly different life than we do, and, uh, and sometimes it's good for us to realize that and, uh, and understand that. And so uh, that has nothing to do with the message. Um, go ahead and, and open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter number 3. Uh, that is a message in and of itself, I guess, but, uh, but not, it doesn't necessarily deal with tonight's message. Um, a couple people have mentioned, you know, they said, well, you've... You, you haven't shaved. And my wife, even uh, the other day, she said, hey, you, you forgot to shave. And, and I said, yeah, I, I kind of did. I, I said, uh, uh, and people have asked me, well, are you going to keep it? And I said, well, you know, it's, it's kind of growing on me, to be honest with you. Um, and so I don't know. Well, we'll hang on to it a little bit and see how, how, how it goes. And that's as good as my jokes get. I'm sorry. So uh, I, I don't, I'm not a joke teller. I enjoy good jokes. I just am not a very good joke teller. And, uh, and so, uh, but, uh, but yeah, hang on to it for a little bit and we'll see how it goes. We're going to be in first, second Kings chapter number three. And, uh, I, I, I was at a preacher's fellowship this week and I heard a fellow preach this, this message. Really, I did not take his outline. Um, I, I sat down and read over it and read over it and really developed my own outline. Uh, but, uh, but the thought of this passage just so spoke to my heart. And, and as I wrote the message, uh, it fit really hand in hand with what we've been preaching and what I've been uh, teaching about on Sunday mornings for the Sunday morning messages. And we've been dealing a lot about faith. And we've talked about walking by faith. And we've talked about living by faith. And really this message uh, is the, the epitome of the work of faith. And so we're going we're gonna to sidestep from our study in Romans tonight, and we're going to go to first, Second Kings chapter number 3, and we're going to look at this work of faith. And look with me at just two verses, and uh, verse number 16 and 17. The Bible says this, we'll read them and then I will give you the backdrop for the whole story. The Bible says in Second Kings chapter number 3, in verse number 16, the, the Bible says, And he said... Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water, that ye may drink both ye and your cattle and your beasts. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. 
Thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to be in your house on a Sunday night and, God, to be able to look at your word. And, God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you'll, you'll speak through me. God, I pray that you would uh, help me to be an encouragement and a blessing to each and every person that's here tonight. And, God, we'll certainly thank you for that. And we'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Uh, as we look at this passage, uh, again, the Bible says there in verse number 16, and he said, that would be the man of God, and he said, thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. And, uh, and so I kind of have two titles. I have the work of faith, and then I have digging ditches. And uh, we're going to talk about digging ditches tonight and, uh, and really what this passage deals with. But let me give you the whole backdrop of this chapter. I went over this chapter and I was reading, really went back and read the first several chapters of the book of, first, of Second Kings. And uh, it's an incredible passage, really. And in studying it, there's two characters that are very prominent that we're going to deal with. The first is Jehoram. Jehoram king of the uh, of Judah. Uh, there's actually two of them mentioned in the Bible. One was the king of Judah, and he was wicked. And, and this Jehoram, and he was the king of Israel, and his brother reigned for a very short time. So let me just give you a backdrop of him for a moment. Uh, I was, when I said he reigned in Judah, I was misspoken. Uh, that was the other Jehoram. This, this Jehoram reigned in Israel. Now the, the nation of Israel has been divided recently. Solomon was, of course, king. His son Rehoboam took the throne after him. And, uh, and of course, he consulted with the older people and he consulted with the younger people and he chose to listen to the younger people. And uh, as a result, uh, the northern tribes, which would be Israel, is often referred to as Israel in the Bible, uh, said, hey, what have we to do with you? He said, "Here's it's kind of funny, and it, I'm not saying anything political, but it's kind of funny. He said, hey, we're going to raise your taxes. And, uh, and all the northern tribes said, well, we're done. We're out. And, and they, they pulled out. And they said, you're not our king. And, uh, and they, they elected, and they brought, not elected, not elected, but there was a new king that came in over Israel. And by the way, he was a wicked man, Jeroboam. And uh, the Bible mentions him over and over, which made Israel to sin. Jeroboam, son of Nebat. And, and that's mentioned many times. So he was a, uh, it was a bad uh, king that was in the northern kingdom there. Uh, and, and this guy was in Israel. I misspoke again. No, I, he was right. He was, he was in the northern kingdom, Israel, because we're going over the history. So he was king of Israel. And, uh, and then down through the line, uh, of course, you remember Ahab and Jezebel. And, uh, and they were kings. And then uh, we go over all of this and we find that, uh, that his brother, if you go to first or Second Kings chapter number 1, his brother, the Bible says, uh, is Azahiah, Ahaziah. And in verse number 2 in chapter 1, it says, And Azahiah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria, and was sick, and he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Baal, uh, Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. So you find out Ahaziah, I can't say his name right, uh, was also a wicked king. That was his brother. And now you would think, well, he would have sons and his sons would reign. He only reigned for one year at the most, maybe less than a year, and he died. 
And by the way, when it's interesting because when he fell through that lattice, he sent for a prophet of Baalzebub. He didn't send for a prophet of God because he wasn't interested in godly advice. And one of the prophets of God, I believe it was Elijah, uh, went and met him, his servant, in the way. And, and he said, hey, you go back and you tell King Ahaziah uh, that he's going to die. And so he went back and he told his king Ahaziah, he said, hey, you're going to die. The prophet of God met me in the way and told me that. And he said, what did this guy look like? He said, hey, he was wearing camel's hair and, and, uh, and, and, and he looked like a prophet of God. And he knew instantly that was Elijah. I can't stand that guy, basically is what he said. And, uh, and sure enough, he died. And that's where Jehoram comes out of the scene. And Jehoram is now king of Israel, that northern tribe that had rebelled against Rehoboam. And he is now king of that tribe and he's in charge. And the Bible says two times that Moab, uh, Moab would have been uh, over to the, to the south of them, but a little bit to the... Uh, and picture on my mind. When I do this, I get it. I'm looking at you, and then I think I got to do it backwards, and I don't. I just need to do it straight. So, uh, so bear with me a minute. North, uh, never eat east. All right, uh, never eat soggy worms. That's how I remember that. All right, strange, but it sticks. So, uh, so the east. So it was to the east across the uh, uh, the the river there, and to the south. And, uh, and that's where the Moab kingdom was. And, and I wanted to find out how they were tied into all this, but I don't remember. I didn't find it. I was not able to locate it. But somehow there was some allegiance between Moab. I believe they were to pay tributes to Israel and, and to the kingdom of Israel. And so they were busy doing that. Well, when uh, King Ahab died, they rebelled. And then Ahaziah, he died, and now Jehoram is there, and there's still the Moabites that are rebelling and saying, hey, we're not paying tribute, and, uh, and they're causing problems for the nation of Israel. So Jehoram gets together, and, uh, and that brings us to our second figure, Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat was the kingdom of Judah. He was a very good king. He was a godly king. Uh, he was not a perfect king, but he was a very good king. And, uh, and the Bible actually names him of, uh, amongst David and Solomon and Jehoshaphat as good kings. So he was probably uh, one of the better kings throughout the nation of Judah. And Israel says, uh, the king of Israel, that would be Jehoram, calls up Jehoshaphat and says, Hey, the Moabites are rebelling. Are you, will you go in with me and let's war against them? And Jehoshaphat says... Hey, your people are as my people. After all, we are all one nation of Israel. And he said, I will do it. And so Jehoshaphat goes in league with them. And somehow in their planning session, remember that Moab was to the southeast. They would have gone down, crossed the river and gone. And, and Moab was right there, the main border between Israel and Moab. But instead, Jehoshaphat and Jehoram decide, hey, let's do this. Let's do a sneak attack because they had the river there and then they had the Dead Sea. He said, let's go all the way through Judah and let's cut down and let's go through Samaria and then Edom. And Edom was there at the south. And let's sneak around the southern side of that Dead Sea through Edom and let's attack Moab from the south. And they won't be expecting that. 
So they make this plan. Well, then they involve the king of Edom, and we're not given his name. No real details are given. But we have three kings that are all going in league together and going to war against Moab that had rebelled against the nation of Israel. And that's kind of the backdrop that we see. And as they're sneaking around the southern border, there's a wilderness there at the Dead Sea. And then there's the wilderness really where Edom was. And it was a dry, barren land. And as they're going around through that area, uh, they run into a little snag in their plan. Look with me at verse number 9. And the Bible says, So the king of Israel went, and the king of Judah, and the king of Edom, and they fetched a compass of seven days' journey, and there was no water for the host and for the cattle that followed them. And, and you got to imagine, here they are. Uh, they've, they've made these plans. They're going down the southern side. They're going to make a sneak attack and sneak up into the south of Moab and attack them. But in their, in their journey, which was quite, quite a long distance, and going around that southern border, they made one error, and that is they didn't calculate the fact that there was no water for them. And so they get out there in the middle of the desert. They have their armies. They have their cattle. They have everything. They had to bring all their food. They had to bring everything that they needed. And they find there's no water for them. And they're, they're, they're in the middle of a problem. Look with me at verse number 11. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the kings of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Edom, went down to him. Now, this was Jehoshaphat that was asking about the prophet of God. This was not Jehoram, and this was not the king of Edom. Neither of those two apparently were any good or concerned with what God had to say. And it's very interesting. I wish we had time to read through all of it, but we do not. But we find that Jehoshaphat said, Hey, listen, I'm not going any further unless we get a hold of the man of God and find out whether we should be doing this or not. A little bit too late, but nonetheless, we'll give him credit because, hey, he did say, No, we need a prophet from God. We need to know what's going on. And so he does. And they do. They call Elisha. And Elisha comes down. And, and, and you go back and you read the story. It's quite incredible. Matter of fact, Elisha says, uh, he says, listen, I wouldn't have even come here except for Jehoshaphat. For Jehoram, who was a wicked king, I wouldn't have showed up. For Edom, who didn't even care about God, I wouldn't have showed up. But by virtue of the fact that Jehoshaphat is here, hey, I have showed up and I'm going to give you the word of God. And so we find a great influence with Jehoshaphat and the fact that he was here. And then in verse number 16, of course, there's some information there. But in verse number 16, Elisha is giving them the instructions and he says this, Make this valley full of ditches. Now, we're talking about working 
in faith. We've talked about walking in faith on Sunday mornings. You remember uh, I had Aiden come up and, and had him walk across the stage, and it's easy to walk with your eyes wide open. And, and when we, uh, I had him close his eyes and walk, there was nothing, and, uh, and he walked a little slower. And then I put all kinds of obstacles and said, hey, I want you to do this and take this step. And that's kind of the way the Lord directs us in our life and gives us step by step. And it's slower process, but yet nonetheless, it is from God. And we find here in this passage that God is giving the orders to these three kings, to Jehoram, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom. And he's saying, listen, I want you guys to make this valley full of ditches. Now it's very clear. That's the word of God. That's what God has given him. And I want us to notice that uh, he said in verse number 17, For thus saith the Lord, ye shall not see wind. Neither shall ye see rain, yet, the va- yet that valley shall be filled with water. And what God is saying is, listen, I want you to lay a bunch of groundwork, and I want you to, uh, to work, and, and listen, you're in a wilderness. Apparently it was a very dry wilderness without rain. And, uh, and God said, hey, you're not going to see the wind. You are not going to see the rain. But I want you to lay all the preparation work because if you do that, hey, this valley is going to be full of water. And so God's asking them and requiring of them that they would do work without, being, without seeing how it was going to be filled with water. And, and we're looking at the idea of work of faith. Now, I want to I encourage you tonight, but I want, to t- I want us to see just a few things. Number one, I want you to notice about this. Digging ditches is dull work. It's dull work. I don't know if you've ever dug ditches. It is not fun. I mean, nobody says, Woo, let's go dig ditches today. I mean, if I said, hey, guys, we got to go out here and we got to dig a ditch uh, in, in the churchyard tomorrow, and uh, man, show up tomorrow with your shovels uh, at, at 8 o'clock in the morning, I don't think anybody's going to show up at 7 saying, man, I want to be out here early. I want to get started on this ditch. That's not exciting work. Digging ditches is a very dull work. It's not exciting. Nobody gets excited about digging ditches. Matter of fact, it's not a popular work. Most people don't run around saying, yep, I dig ditches for a living. That's what I do. There's nothing wrong with digging ditches. Understand that. But it's not popular. It's not something that a guy runs around and says, yeah, that's me. I'm a ditch digger. It's a very hard work. And it's, it's a work that is certainly necessary, but it's not a popular work. It's a dull work. It's not a fun work. And so we find that, uh, number one, digging ditches is a very dull work. But I want you to notice that, too, digging ditches is a demanding work. Listen, you got to understand they didn't go out and, 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 and have, I mean, we had three kings that were all together there. They didn't say, hey, well, you know, I've got, uh, uh, I've got 500 uh, uh, backhoes, you know, back in my kingdom, and we'll just phone them and bring them down, and they, they, man, those backhoes will knock out these ditches in a moment. They didn't have caterpillars out there digging in the dirt. They didn't have any mechanical, you know what they had? They may not have even had shovels with them. I mean, who takes a shovel to war? 
Uh, they, they, if they did, they probably weren't very big shovels. And so uh, I'm saying, hey, they, it was a very intense labor for them to go out and start digging ditches and take the, uh, the pits and start digging in that dirt. And then you got big rocks to deal with. It. You've got to get out of the way and move. And you're, you're piling dirt on top of dirt. It's a very labor-intense work that they were doing. But you add to that... The fact, in verse number 9, that we already saw, there was no water. Now, you go out and you work in the hot sun, and you dig ditches, and there's nothing to drink. You see the problem? It was a very discouraging, disparaging job for somebody to go out and dig those ditches in the dirt and, and without water. And then there was a large area. He said there in verse 16, make this valley full of ditches. We're not talking, well, just go out and dig one ditch. No, no, no. No, there was a lot of ditches that were to be dug. And I'm telling you, they told all their soldiers, could you imagine? Hey, fellas, uh, we want you to go out and we want you to dig ditches. Excuse me, sir. Why are we digging ditches? That's why the army stopped taking questions. You just do what you're told, private. You just do what, what I've commanded you to do. Hey, we're not answering questions. Uh, I mean, uh, they said, hey, you're, you go out and you dig those ditches. And it was, a, it was a lot of work and it was not an easy work. And they had to dig many ditches. And I could imagine even the kings probably getting involved out there saying, hey, we've got to get these ditches dug. And we've got, we've got a short time to do it. And it's a labor and intensive thing. And it's not an enjoyable job. It's dull work and it's demand work. But I want you to notice this in verse number 16. Digging ditches was God's divinely appointed job that He gave them to do. Can I say this this evening? God doesn't always give us enjoyable tasks that are easy to accomplish. Sometimes He's going to give us jobs that do not make sense and that are difficult to do and that are very demanding on our person to be able to do. And, and so yeah, we see here that the Bible says in verse number 16 that Elisha is speaking and he says, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. And it was a divinely appointed thing that God said, hey, I want you to go out and do it. And I was looking at some of these things, as I had mentioned, the dull work. Uh, listen, uh, coming to church every week is not necessarily exciting work to do. I'll take it a step further. Coming to church every single week and cleaning every week is not an enjoyable work to do, but we have people that do it. They're faithful. Coming to church every week and opening the, the, the church house and turning on the lights uh, an hour before service, every single service is not an enjoyable job. It's not something that somebody's going to slap you on the back and say, hey, you're doing a great job, man. We appreciate what you're doing. But I tell you what, it's a divinely appointed work of God that is being done when people are laying the foundation and they're saying, hey, we're going to turn the lights on. We're going to clean the building. We're going to make all the preparation so that when and the people come, we can worship God. And it is a work of faith. 
Hey, it's not enjoyable to clean the nursery and clean the toys in the nursery and take out the trash. And it's not always enjoyable labor that God calls us to do. But at the same time, God had called these people to do the work and say, hey, you're not going to know the results that are going to take place. And listen, they did the work. They dug the ditches. They were busy. It was a divine appointment that God had said, hey, I want you to dig these ditches. And certainly they started digging those ditches. And, uh, and I want you to notice, look at these things. I kind of referred to them. Look with me in verse number 2. Jehoram was not a godly man. The Bible says there in verse number 2, this is speaking of Jehoram, and he wrought evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and like his mother, for he put away the image of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he cleaved unto the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which made Israel to sin. He departed not therefrom. So we find that he was not a, a good guy. He was a wicked king. But I want you to notice uh, that he didn't even bother to call God. He wasn't interested in calling God. But Jehoshaphat was interested. In verse number 11, he's the one that said, Hey, uh, is, is there not a God in heaven that we can ask about? Is there not a prophet of God that we can inquire whether we should be doing this? And it was because of Jehoshaphat's influence that the man of God even showed up, that God even gave them the instructions that they gave them. Because if the man of God had not been called, I can promise you, they would not have thought, oh, let's just dig ditches in the desert. No, that wouldn't have occurred to them. Because it's unnatural. It's not a normal idea. It's not a normal thought. It's not a normal thing that they would just go out and dig ditches in the hard place of the desert when they didn't even have water. And yet they, God had called them to do that. And God came because of the influence of Jehoshaphat. And God commanded them and said, Hey, this is what I want you to do. But you notice there in verse number 17, as we looked at it, He said, And for thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not see wind." Wind, neither shall ye see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water. And ye may drink both ye and your cattle and your beasts. Listen, sometimes the work of the Lord is hard in that you will labor digging ditches and cleaning and laying a foundation and studying for a lesson for a class that you don't even know if they're going to show up and practicing songs in the choir and doing all the work that goes into the work of the ministry that sometimes is laborious and sometimes is dull work and sometimes is not exciting work, but yet it's God's work and it's something that we get involved in and we do without not knowing what the results of that is going to be, but saying, God, I'm going to do my best to dig the ditches and to work for your honor, for your glory. And they did that, and they labored, and they said, hey, we're going to dig those ditches, and they did, and there was no visuals. And I would remind us that the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And I thought of many things that we do. You go out visiting, and sometimes you don't see results from that. You get discouraged. I'm just saying, keep, 
Keep doing what we're doing. Keep working in what you work. You send out the van and sometimes it comes back with very few. You prepare to teach and sometimes kids don't show up. You spend a lot of time. Hey, listen, we spend a lot of time measuring our progress by what we see. And God is saying, work and don't measure progress. But put your hand to the plow and start digging the ditches and make the valley full of ditches. What if they said three ditches is all we need? They went out and dug out three ditches. And they didn't fulfill what God told them to do. And then they did not have enough water. No, God said, hey, make the valley full of ditches. And you're not going to see the wind. And you're not going to see the rain. But this valley is going to be filled with water. We find that they did that. Look with me at verse number 18. I love this. They complied. They dug the ditches. But look in verse number 18. We see not only is it a divine appointment, but we see it's divinely rewarded. Look with me at verse number 18. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. What an incredible passage. In verse 9, they're lacking water. They don't have what they need. Water is a fundamental need. If you've ever been uh, in a dry desert and, uh, and needed some water, uh, listen, you know that it is a need. It's not just a want. It's a need in life. And we find that, uh, that, that God supplied that and said, okay, you want water, uh, and you've consulted with God, and therefore I will, I will give you water, but you have to go out and you have to do your part and dig the ditches and lay the foundation and do all the work, uh, and then God will provide with the blessing, and you're not going to see where it's going to come from. You're not going to see the wind. You're not going to see the rain, but yet these, this valley will be filled with water. And I love verse 18 because he says, hey, this is a small thing for God. You know, some of our biggest problems are just, they're not even problems for God. And I'm not belittling our problems. I'm not. But when you stack them up to who God is, and you compare that to who God is, you find out, and we're talking about the guy who created, the, the, the God who created heaven and earth created everything that exists in it. And somehow we think that some problem in our life uh, is so big that it, that it cannot be solved. May I remind you that we serve the God who said, hey, this is a light thing. This is nothing. To fill this valley with water, I can do that. I can do that at the blink of an eye. I can do that at the mere thought of it. Not a problem for God. But then he goes on and he says, He will deliver the Moabites also into your hands. If you were to read here down through the end of the passage, which we won't for sake of time, uh, we can find that digging ditches is divinely rewarding work. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It's not exciting. But it's divinely rewarded. And God says, hey, you obey me, you do what I've said, 
and I will provide. And God said, it's a small thing. And, and it's almost, you can, at the end of verse 18, right in the middle, you can almost write P.S. Postscript. By the way, I'll take care of the Moabites too. It's not a problem. I'll just cover it all one shot. But you go dig the ditches. By the way, you read down through there and you'll find that uh, in verse number 20, um, the Bible says in verse number 20, And it came to pass in the morning when the meat offering was offered that behold, there came water by the way of Edom and the country was filled with water. How'd it happen? I don't know. God did it. Maybe it rained up in the mountains and it all ran down. I don't know. Frankly, I don't care because it doesn't matter how it happened. Oh, I'm curious. I'm always curious. I like to know how things work. But I do know this. They were faithful and dug the ditches. They didn't see the wind. They didn't see the rain. But God filled that valley and filled their ditches with that water. If they had not dug the, the ditches, that water would have just run right over. And, and it would have just flash flooded and gone right through. And they would have had no water whatsoever for themselves. But they were faithful in digging those ditches. And when God did send the water, they caught all that water. They caught as much water as ditches as they dug. By the way... It's an awesome story. You go back and you read, and you find the Moabites realized they're coming up from the south. They're not coming from the north. So they sent their armies. They gathered all that they could to go against uh, these three kings. And, uh, and when they stand up on the mountains, on the ridge, looking down, and they see all of that water, to them it was a sunrise. To them the reflection, I don't know, maybe it was a red sky. Uh, it made it all look like blood. That valley full of blood. I mean, you can you imagine they had come over that hillside many times and saw that valley and it was just dry and there was nothing there and it was nothing exciting. And then they see all of that and they thought it was blood. And the Bible says that they thought that those three kings had got in a civil war and fought against themselves and killed themselves. You know what they did? Moab to the spoil. Man, they ran down there to get all of the goods, to get their, uh, their, their animals, to get their gold, to get whatever it was that they could get left. And when they got down in that valley and they found out, hey, that's not blood at all. Matter of fact, all of these soldiers uh, are alive and they're very well. And Israel and uh, Judah and Edom got up and the Bible says that they destroyed the Moabites. And they went even into all the the land of Moab and they destroyed every city and they destroyed the entire country of Moab and said hey they get, got a great victory that day why you go all the way back to verses 16 and 17 because they dug ditches they didn't know what the results were going to be well, God knew, they knew God was going to send water they didn't know how it was going to come they did a work of faith, not knowing exactly how everything was going to play out. Listen, in the Christian life, we do a work of faith. There's a lot of things we do by faith, saying, well, I'm not for sure how this is going to turn out. 
No, that's true. Sometimes we don't. But you know what? I know who we're trusting in. And I can tell you this, you can trust him. And he will take care of you. And he will provide for you. You might not see where it's going to come from. You might not understand. You might never figure out exactly how it happened. But you might say, I just did what God wanted me to do. And God took care of the rest. Ditch digging is dull work. Ditch digging is demanding work. It's not easy. Ditch digging was divinely appointed work in this case. Now, please don't go out and dig ditches in our churchyard. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Ditch digging was divinely rewarded work because God took care of everything. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, the ministry is not always exciting work. It's not always easy work. Matter of fact, many times it's difficult labor. Sometimes it's demanding. But can I tell you this? It is always, always rewarding work if you're doing what God would have you to do. Father, I pray that you'd bless each and every person. I pray, Father, that you'd speak to hearts, encourage and strengthen each and every believer. God, maybe they're discouraged because there's a lack of water in a valley where they're living, where they're staying, or where they're at in their life. And God, maybe you said, hey, dig ditches. And you're saying, man, I don't have any water. God, I pray that you'd encourage them Help them, strengthen them as we do a work that's certainly not always easy, not always understood, and certainly not always exciting. But help us to be faithful through the dry, laborious task of digging ditches. And God, may we wait for your provision in your time. May we be faithful until you provide. And God will thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. If God's spoken to your heart as your heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and a hymn of invitation is played and maybe God's burden your heart, maybe... You just want to thank him. Hey, we go through dry spells. We go through difficult periods. God never promised that everything would be easy. But I can promise you he'll take care of it. He'll provide.